0: Welcome to the Solar Podcast, the place for creative entrepreneurs with limitless dreams and unconventional stories who want to build healthier, happier, more profitable self employed businesses. I'm your host, Ray Hyde Cornell. Get ready to soar. Welcome to the Solar Podcast. On today's episode, we have Matt Schaup. Matt, tell us about what it is you do and what your businesses are. one of many.
1: Thanks for having me, uh, Ray. Thanks for having me on the show. You know, I hang out in the business space a lot. So I, what I do simply is I wake up, I get to enjoy coffee with wonderful, inspiring business owners and uh, business leaders and just help them make their life leadership and business better. And I do so in lots of different ways. So I write books. I facilitate leadership retreats in Spain, uh, as well as work one-on-one and one-on-group with business owners and business leaders. And um, that's really just been a culmination of a lot of the lessons I've learned and stories that I have from my last 20 years of being kind of a crazy serial entrepreneur.
0: I love this term, serial (laughs) entrepreneur. I absolutely love it because anybody who's listening to this and who hears that term, serial entrepreneur... If you are one of those, you know what that feels like. It's like this, this compulsion to start new things. That's, Mm -hmm. you're the starter, you're the doer, you're the idea machine, and you're the one who brings things from this abstract mental place into the real world. Yeah. What has been your, your history of being a serial entrepreneur? How'd you get here?
1: I I always back up to my childhood. So I grew up in uh, Northern New Jersey and the uh, kind of the, the deal of the day there was I'd come to school. And I'd have 20 new stories to share and 10 new ideas. And I was bouncing all over the place. And they're like, you're supposed to be here doing school, like sit down and (laughs) shut up and do math. So they'd give me a bunch of math. And I'm like, that's easy. Boom, boom, boom. Like finish the math. I was really brilliant in math and I was just super creative. So I always found myself just telling stories and very, just being very active, but that wasn't, nobody grabbed a hold of me in school. Right. And said, oh, this guy. He's got entrepreneurial tendencies. Mm-hmm. They really labeled me as a, as a troublemaker because mm-hmm. they couldn't keep me busy in school. So I was in the principal's office a lot and getting you know, kicked out of school. And that, that's okay. That was just kind of the name of the game back then. Um, and then another big part of my growing up was I got bullied a lot growing up. So I was a very easy target for bullies. And um, That was a big part of my life. I was very just scared to go out into the world, not very confident in anything because it's like, okay, I'm doing great in school. You're not keeping me busy enough in school. So now I'm the troublemaker, I guess. So what do I do? Okay, I guess I'll lean into that and lean into that group of peers where we are getting in trouble. And then I'm just getting like thumped and beaten up. In every different corner of the playground every day, and then uh, we moved from northern New Jersey to Colorado to Loveland, Colorado. And I remember I'm 10 years old. It's that summer transition between fourth and fifth grade, and back then compact discs were the mm. were the new rage, right? So everybody's got the CD players and the boom boxes. And I went and asked my parents for I think it was $200 for a boom box, and they said nope. You know, you make $4 a week cutting grass, so that's about a year. If you want to buy your own boom box, we're not going to buy it for you. And they just said, Hey, if you can find a way to make your own money and you can walk to the table with $200, then we'll, we'll drive you over and buy it. And I said, you're like challenge so
0: accepted <laughs>
1: right there. Yeah. Like that, that was the moment for me where I'm like, hold on. You just told me if I want something and then I can make a plan and take action. So I just grabbed a lawnmower and I started knocking on doors in my neighborhood at 10 years old. And um, yeah, I made a couple thousand dollars and I said, hold on a minute, like that just totally 180 my perspective, just on my confidence, my ability to have some purpose, you know, at 10 at ten years old, but it really gave me a rooting and like, hey, I'm a business guy. I think I'm onto something. So that gift of gab, that storytelling that, hey, I can go kind of play by and make my own rules and make money and get what I want, which was a boombox that all came together and I just really leaned into that. So, um, you know, my childhood was trying to get through school as quickly as possible. So Mm -hmm. I could go out and find ways to make money. And that took me to where I am today. You know, this is the 30, 32 years later, looking back on
0: this story. And it's so funny that, you know, when you were younger, you had this entrepreneurial spirit. I shouldn't say this is funny, but I should say It's ironic because our society tries to tell us, no, this is the way you need to be. This is the path you need to go on. For me, it was go to college, get a job with the government or some kind of, you know, official entity, and then buy the house and have the kids and, and, you know, do all of that. And even from a young age, I was like, ah. I don't know something about this. Like I was good at school, but I was always being pulled in a different direction and how I made my money was freelancing and hustling and side gigs and all of that. And nowadays I feel like, and maybe it's just the world that, you know, you and I exist in, but I feel like entrepreneurs are looked up to and admired and how do you do that? And so it's like, what do we need to change in our education system and the way we raise children who have this entrepreneurial streak from a very young age.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you say, because it was very much, you know, back, back in the day, the elementary, the New Jersey days, and then even, you know, moving out here to Colorado, middle and high school, it was that there was no track of, hey, you have an idea and you want to launch something and, you know, go find an investor or launch a product. Like there was, there was none of that. It was sit down, shut up, do your work, get your grades, get your GPA. Oh, SATs are coming up. You've got to take Mm -hmm. those, those college prep. And then they're asking you in like eighth grade, what you want to do when you're, when you're 18 going to college, like your brain's not even fully developed if you're a male till you're what, 25. And they're asking you what you want to do and spend all this money on. So I just, I I felt this pressure to conform and I did in particular ways. So I I got through the school. School was easy Mm -hmm. for me. And then at the end of high school, it was what college do I want to go to? But the coolest thing that happened in college, I, I'm a huge promoter, but not really of of college. And I'll kind of break that down a little bit Is my two degrees that I have. You wouldn't guess what they are unless you really dug deep into my bio. Nobody would really (laughs) guess. I don't think that they're out there. Um, what are uh, they? I'm, I'm curious. It's, it's Spanish languages oh. and literature, uh-huh. and then it's child development and family studies. So I've, I've got a passion for kids and helping kids and teaching kids. And I get to do that now, but it wasn't really because of any capacity from the degree that right. I earned. So as I'm going through college and, you know, getting, getting the degrees, so you can get the job. I got approached to buy a college painting company. And from my early lawn mowing days, which turned into snow shoveling and hustling candy bars at school, the the hustle yep. entrepreneurial stuff. I just worked hourly jobs in middle and high school. So I worked my way into leadership positions in those jobs. So I'm like running a sandwich shop or a shoe store for the for the guy that owns it or the guy that runs it. But these college painters swoop in and they go, Hey, how would you love to learn about sales and marketing and leadership and business with our money? And the worst thing that happens is you work really hard and you're going to make a minimum. You know, three thousand dollars over the spring and summer. They said, What are you gonna do otherwise? Are you gonna wait tables, deliver pizzas? And I think the guy even said work at a shoe store. And I'm like, oh man, that's <laughs> that's my that's my path for the summer. Yeah. So I signed up with these with these guys. They're a national company and they teach college students interested in business how to go out and run a residential paint contracting business. And wow. I actually got to do it in Loveland, which was the community that I had known and Grown up in for the last at that point it was you know twelve years that I had lived there.
0: That's so cool, and we need more of that. We need more of this mentorship of that young generation Mm -hmm. instead of kind of putting the lid on them and saying no 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 quiet down like let's let's calm and contain your energy. Instead, we need to nurture that because they're the ones who are going to come up with the next great innovations that are going to change the world.
1: It it is. We have a jujitsu studio, so one of my passions it's Brazilian jujitsu, and I run the kids program at our at our gym. And one of the kids, they brought him there because he was getting in tons and tons of trouble at school. So I pulled him aside one day and, you know, he came in, he was really upset. I got kicked out of school again today. And I said, well, what, what were you doing? Well, they didn't like that. I had traded, I traded two pairs of Jordans for a BMX bike and a table saw. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And then I go, hold on a minute. Like this kid is hustling and bartering and trading, I said, "Well, what were you supposed to be doing?" Well, I was supposed to be working on the planets, or you know, something the planet science <laughs> project. And he's <laughs> hustling Jordans on the playground, you know. And, and I go, "Well, I go, how how'd the deal go?" And he kind of looks at me and he goes, "What? What do you mean?" I'm like, "Did you did you profit?" He goes, "Oh yeah, it was a way better trade for me than it was for the other kid." He goes, "I you know I won that engagement, so I just saw this kid's competitiveness and his drive and his think outside the box. He's he's not gonna." in or conform to the school. Right. And, and the cool thing is, is, you know, for the short time that I had a chance to be an influence in his life and be there, he's got other people that are really helping him lean into that. And that's what I think if I would have had that at an earlier age, that story might've progressed a, a little bit, a little bit sooner, yeah. you know, but, but I'm, I'm glad I had the pushback too, just cause it, it, it did help me show that, you know, not everybody is meant for the track that everybody tells them that they think they should be on and that's okay.
0: Yeah, exactly. And not only is that natural entrepreneurial spark misunderstood, but I think also the, the serial part. That's also misunderstood. A lot of people think, oh, well, if you don't stick with something for 20 years, then you must have ADHD and you can't focus on something, you can't commit to something. But really, some of us are meant to be the starters, the idea people, the ones to bring everybody together, build the infrastructure, make it healthy, and then send it on its way to do good in the world and then go start something else like that. So how do you look at that serial aspect of I don't want to say hopping from one thing to another, but being okay with building something and letting it go and moving on and building something and letting it go.
1: Yeah. I think that everybody, uh, one of the things that I love to do. So one of the big leadership focuses that I have, it's a, it's personality styles and behavior styles and everybody's wired a certain way. So you've got those really, really early innovators, the idea people They're they're looking 10 years ahead. I remember in 2015, I'll share an example we were doing a business strategy planning for the next three to five years. Hey, what's coming down the pipe? What are some things that maybe we don't see yet that we should start thinking about? And this is in relation to painting, so residential paint contracting Mm -hmm. and residential roofing contracting. And this is 2015, I said, you know, we should look at getting our drone pilot license, at least one of us, and purchasing a drone to do roof inspections um, we started getting into real estate at that point. So, Hey, just like real estate photography. And people looked at me like, this is my own team. So this is where I am on the spectrum. I'm 10 years out. And I go, we need to look at drones. And they're like, well, you're crazy. That's like, we're going to put them next to the spaceships. And I say, Hey, <laughs> and here we are right here. We are in right. 2022, 23. And there's, uh, you know, there's drones everywhere, flying, flying around, taking photos. So I think that's important to a, understand how you're wired and don't, try to be something else. I am totally a launcher. I tell people I, I launch and I wouldn't even say build to the best degree rocket ships. I just, I have an idea. I put the energy, the resources, the time commitment behind it, share the vision and then boom. And then we get it going. But I need people that are maintainers that are really good with structure operations, uh, and just, just those things to keep it going. Yeah. Uh, we have a company right now that we're, we're selling, uh, it's going to go live on the market, like probably next week. And it's just, it's at a point to where my business partner and I, we've done what we're good at. We've done and taken the business to the, the furthest we're going to take it. And it's a disservice to not sell it, but it's hard uh, for me. It's hard to let those things go. Cause you're, I, I am at least I'm emotionally attached to my businesses. You know, there's people involved in those. There's people that you serve. There's people that you provide your service to that that work with you on your team. so um I, I think when I first started talking it's like, oh well we're letting we're letting it down. It's like no mm-hmm. you're you're doing a good thing for it
0: yeah, exactly. and that's the thing is we do get so attached to these things that we build but some people like you said some people are the ones who they're very structured and and I'm one of those people who I'm very structured, very routined. I can create systems and I can make things better but yeah. A lot of people also struggle with the blank page. Starting something new, that takes a lot of energy and inertia to get that off of the ground. And I think one of the things that a lot of people struggle with in this handoff period of, okay, I have the idea, I want to build it up, and then I want to either bring people in to make it better or grow it, or I want to sell it is this idea of perfectionism. And I want to dig into this because I know this is one of the things that you talk to people about quite a bit. We're going to take a super short commercial break and dig into that when we get back. Hey, Ray here. Ever wish this whole creative self-employment thing was easier? Like, wouldn't it be nice if there was, I don't know, a step-by-step guide? for building a successful freelance business, you know where I'm going with this, right? That guide does exist. Back in the day when I first started out hustling and side gigging, I wish I had a roadmap to fast track my way to self-employed success. So I made one for you. No matter where you are in business, I guarantee you this guide can help you get to the next stage faster and the next and the next. Whether you're still deciding if ditching the W2 is right for you or if you're struggling with your pricing, business formation, client acquisition, sales, or even health insurance, this guide has everything you need. Get your free copy of the complete guide to building a successful freelance business at kyronconsulting.us forward slash guide. We're back with Matt Schaup. So Matt, talk to me about this idea of anti-perfectionism and this thing that so many people get hung up on, especially in the entrepreneurial world, when everybody's looking at you and they're looking at your new idea and they're judging it against the other new ideas that are out there, especially in this highly saturated startup culture. What's your take on perfectionism?
1: Is you're never going to be perfect. And, um, I'll share the story so I wrote my second book it just released in January of of this year it's it's titled Painted Baby just a phenomenal story I had spent 7 years working on the book and I would tell you that 6 of those 7 uh the reality behind that curtain is it was just it was a lot of fear to launch it was a lot of like fear of judgment or people going to receive the message believe in the message like do I even believe in myself right I struggle and battle with that i think a lot of entrepreneurs do and we fi- finally committed i'm like okay 2022 i'm going all in we're we're finishing this book it's going to be amazing and then you just you get to the end and it's like should i proof back through it should i read back through it an 18th time i'm in the studio doing the audible ah should we go back through that line 17 on page 12 should we do that one more time i don't know if it was good enough and it's like you know what it's just there's got to be a point when you just go um, but with that being said, like nothing, nothing's ever going to be perfect. There's always going to be, there'll be a typo. There'll be something that you miss. There'll always be something that can be better. So I'm really a proponent of just focus on being better and making mm-hmm. your content, your message, your approach better every time. But don't worry about it being, being perfect because we get, we get this paralysis where we sit back and then we don't launch and we miss opportunities and we miss you know, this is even just in, <clears throat> in a day-to-day sales. Uh, I was just on the phone today. Like I've been, I've been doing this 30 years, right? And this is coming straight out of my mouth. I'm on the phone before I jump on this podcast with you. And I'm speaking to, he's a great friend. We've done a bunch of business together and I'm out right now looking for sponsorship for I'm writing a child's book. I'm actually writing a child's anti-bullying book. And I'm like, ah, I, I don't, I don't want to pitch him cause I don't quite have the landing page ready and it's not out there. And I just, I, I needed to just override myself and say, Hey, can I, can I tell you about this and why this would be so awesome to have you partner with us on, it's going to get this message to more kids and parents that need to hear it. And he didn't care that it was buttoned up or not. He's like, Hey, yeah, just send me a couple sentences. I'll show it to the team and I'm all in. So I think we're, we're our own worst enemies many times. And, and a lot of that comes from earlier you know, experiences, um, traumatic experiences or just general experiences where you're never good enough or something's never good enough. And then that carries into business. So you just gotta keep an eye on that.
0: And I would argue that and I'm I work in the marketing world where AI and computer learning and all of that is really big right now. And mm-hmm. well, I mean, it's big everywhere, but I feel like it's it's dominating the marketing market. And I feel like there is a lack of humanity in everything that we're doing online and in our messaging and our marketing. And if you commit to this anti-perfectionism, you know, get it done, done is better than perfect, and you're still committed to making it better, you're still committed to learning from the experience, but you're okay with having little flaws and flub ups out there, then that actually makes you more human and allows people to see that, oh, it's okay to make mistakes and still have a successful business or be a leader.
1: It, it is because the painting, the picture of perfection that really prevents true connection with other people yeah. that we serve. And that's really, that's the premise of my book painted baby. So back in 2008, we were painting a house, we had a paint sprayer explode. It was a one in a million kind of accident. And another one in a million layer of that is standing behind my painter that had the paint sprayer explode was the homeowner and her nine month old baby. So paint sprayer explodes. We paint a baby like that is a bad day at the office, right? Um, Really bad day at the office and we made it right. So that, that tested, Hey, does this company have integrity and honesty? Are they going to do the right thing? And we did. Three years later, I'm getting ready to close one of the biggest business deals of my life, and I'm sitting here, and I'm pitching the you know shiny marketing brochure. Look at these great reviews. Look how amazing we are. And I've worked with this customer before, but he wasn't having it. He said, "Matt, this is a huge project. I want to know about a time that you screwed something up and what you did about it." And and I was just literally hit the brakes. I said, "Hold on a minute. You don't do this in sales. You don't do this in marketing, right? You're in marketing. You don't yeah. go." lead with an imperfection. So he and I kind of go back and forth a little bit and I shared the painted baby story with him and he signed the contract. He said, you're the kind of guy that I want to do business with. And it really came down to two things because you're being brave and vulnerable enough to share when you're not perfect. That means I know that you're human and you shared what you did in that imperfection to, to make things right. So that, that, day in 2011, I go, Hey, we're on to something here. So we spent the next couple of years really working that just into, I wouldn't even call it our sales model, but just our human conversations that we have with people. And it really sets a different kind of expectation with the people we serve. And they go, yeah, you're, you're human. And I think as business owners, you see other successful business owners and when you can share your failures and your screw ups. And, And that's why I'm so passionate about that. Like I literally just 40 minutes ago, almost didn't share something really important because I was so worried about judgment or that it wasn't perfect. And I still deal with this 30 years later. And um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the humanity stepping away from business. And it's going to be interesting to see if and how that continues and what that looks like.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so many companies they only put their best foot forward. They only spotlight their glowing testimonials and their five-star reviews. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, everybody has five-star reviews. Everybody has good testimonials. And when people are shopping for a product or a service, those things, they don't carry as much weight as businesses think that they do. But what actually gets a lot of attention and kind of putting my marketing hat on here for a second is when somebody has a bad Google review, they have a one-star or a two-star, like like, oh my God, yeah. like the yeah. world's going to end. We got a one or two-star review. No, how you handle it, because you're allowed to respond to those negative reviews yeah. on Google, respond mm-hmm. to it. And actually when customers see that another customer had a bad experience and then that company responded very positively of how can we make this right? We want to take care of you. We're so sorry that we messed up. We own that we messed up and we will do whatever it takes to make this right for you. So you don't have buyer's remorse. That is what carries the weight because everybody makes mistakes. Every company makes mistakes. Everyone has had a bad customer service situation. It's how it was handled. That really matters. And people want to work with people that they know they're not going to get screwed over when something bad happens, not if
1: And we've, and we've had and seen in all of the businesses that we have, because we have a different online presence for different businesses, but Hey, you know, we were really, we, we thought that two-star was really funny because we could tell, and you can tell a lot about the reviewer that writes that review because you know five five percent of three percent of people are crazy you're never going to make yeah. them happy um <laughs> you know i was listening to your episode i think it was the last episode of season two where you know how do you how do you work with clients that are just trying to control you like you can never yeah. make them happy and you can see that in their in their response but then yeah 95 of a of a not perfect review is that you screwed up and you missed an expectation and it's just simple ownership hey, you know what? We we did not show up our best that day. And we're sorry. And we understand your frustration. And um, here's what we're doing or did to make it right. And please let us know if we can do anything else. And that that just, it, it drops people's guard because there is a lot of guard out there because there's all this perfectionism and not even so much the AI, but it's like, man, that landing page, that click funnel, that website, that thing was so smooth. It was so slick. It was so shiny and and then but your your human brain goes that there's got to be something like there's mm-hmm. got to be something behind that perfection. Yeah. um and then it comes out and the expectation was set that that wasn't going to happen. So
0: exactly. So rather than committing to being perfect and obsessing and fretting over that, instead commit to being better than you were yesterday, whatever form that takes. And yeah. you have already given us so much advice and words of wisdom in this episode, but in your uh, when we were talking earlier you said that you have advice for your 20-year-old self yeah what is that advice
1: so i wrote a blog about this 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 actually started as just a blog just started tracking some ideas one day and i talk about this a lot is uh i i would say the top 3 things is to just remember that things take time when when i was younger was very driven you know i had a lot of motivation and drive behind why i wanted to be successful and not all of it was healthy right mm-hmm. so i'll come come back to that in more of the advice but things take time we live in this instant culture where you see the results right on social media or wherever you see it of a company that's been working for 30 40 years right for generations mm-hmm. and they finally have some success and you just think in your brain that that's going to happen overnight Um, and, and I had a certain degree of pretty quick success in my business and I thought, okay, that's going to keep going and multiplying and it doesn't, you're going to face challenges and you just need to be ready for those challenges and just, just be patient. Um, the other thing that I would say is that profit is absolutely important for a business. Mm -hmm. It is the lifeblood of the business. You need profit to be operational, to be sustainable, But, but I will share that, when you put profit over people and you forget about the people, people are the ones that generate that profit. So we are very big here with pouring into people is understand that, you know, this person, they're not a cog in a wheel or a production of a widget of a unit or a metric on a PL. You got to look at that stuff, but like these are people with lives and with stories. And to the degree, here's just what I think leadership is, is when my story and your story come together, like we're doing on this podcast, and we're going to make other people's stories better together. Yeah, That's just what leadership is, and um, that's my definition of it. So to the degree you can get really clear on your story and where you've come from and where you are, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are and you can work on getting better and do that just very openly and publicly as a leader you're going to attract other people that want that and that's going to be one of the critical foundations of of growing a big business the other thing that i would say and it's kind of an unfortunate reality i'm not fatalistic at all um i'm not i'm not a negative thinker it's just that the reality of things is when you start to acquire and have some success you know everybody at the beginning oh that's great you're starting the business go for it. I can't wait to see you be successful. And then you hit a certain level of success. You're going to have people that continue to inspire you and push you. And then you're going to have some people that get a little bit jealous by it, Mm, maybe because they were shooting for a similar level of success and they didn't get it. And you will, as an entrepreneur, just be ready for this. Even if you're solopreneur working out of the house, Whatever that is, or or you have a team, there is going to be judgment. There will be people that do not like you. There will be people that have things to say. They have feedback, right, or input. Doesn't mean that their feedback or input matters or that you have to listen to it.
0: Exactly. And there's so many people, especially in our Facebook right in front of your face, TikTok right in front of your face, Instagram right in front of your face, world. We all look outside of ourselves for validation and direction. And when you do that, how many people are in this world? What is it like 8 billion or something ridiculous like Mm -hmm. that? You're going to get 8 billion opinions. Some are going to be good. Some are going to be bad. You're going to drive yourself crazy trying to factor Mm -hmm. all of those opinions into your decision-making. So there's Mm -hmm. no point in looking outside of yourself. You have to look within yourself. And Mm -hmm. really, if you are going to seek outside opinions and validation go to the people who know you best and who have your best interests at heart because the people who don't know you online who are commenting and liking or not liking your content those are not the people who have your best interests at heart they don't know you
1: yeah as i as i wrote painted baby there's a chapter in that and i i refer i think this is probably the chapter i refer most people to in the book and i didn't plan on it being this way but it's chapter nine and it's titled feedback matters but not all of it and it literally says like here's why and how you're going to see certain kinds of feedback and there's there's five questions to filter that feedback that you get because everybody has an opinion and, and everybody's entitled to it right I, i'm gonna think what i'm gonna think about your podcast your business this new restaurant whatever and we live in a world where you can get online and type about it with no accountability with total and anonymous, I can't say anonymity, anonymity. <laughs> I can't
0: say that word,
1: but you know what I'm saying? But like, I can sit here behind a screen and just yeah. blast somebody and totally ruin their day. And it's sad, but it's just, it's out there. So you've got to, you've got to remember that. But one, you know, one of the big things too, um, you know, I don't know how much you talk about uh, faith or mm-hmm. or belief in a higher power on oh, yeah, your podcast, but I, I follow Jesus. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's who I decide to follow. And it's a huge part of my life. And, um, I was just in Kenya for two weeks with uh, my son, with a group called Restoration Project. And they focus on uh, helping men restore from just traumatic experiences that, mm. that they've gone through, right? Because every, everybody does. And they really focus on building deeper relationships between fathers and, and kids. And they basically said, if you don't know and you don't realize that you are fully and truly loved by God, and and you don't 100% with absolute certainty, believe that and know that and feel that you are going to go to other, other things. And there's a million other things you can go to, to find <clears throat> that validation, that acceptance, that, that love. And like, I think back to my story. <clears throat> you know, when I was a kiddo getting bullied, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I can't fight. I can't, like, I can't stand up for myself. I'm, I'm kind of a goofy looking kid. I've got headgear and super easy target, but business for me, like that was some validation. That was Mm -hmm. some love and that was some acceptance. And I leaned into that. So it was a big part of my story, but I would say at different parts of my journey that became kind of an idol and something I focused too much on. There was a, there's a, you know i still i'd say struggle a little bit with this today is my self worth and net worth are not directly related and they shouldn't be and i would venture to guess that there's probably some listeners listening to this that that may struggle with with that you know i can find that sometimes when the numbers are better maybe i'm in a little bit better mood mm-hmm. right or or think more of myself so just just remember as you're hearing all this feedback and and whatever people have to say is just remember like you you are truly loved. And when you can be in that space, um, you'll be able to more easily discern who's, who's got something to say, and if it's for your best interest or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love that even though you're on the surface, what you're helping people with is business and leadership you're so human centric. And that's really what it all comes down to. And there's one last thing that I want to ask you about on our, t- t- uh, on our episode today, before we wrap up, which is you said the phrase earlier, it's important to pour into people. And yeah. you have this coffee business that even though yeah. it looks like it's about coffee, it's really about pouring into people. Tell us about that.
1: So when I was 20, I decided I was going to minor in Spanish. Because Spanish came easy to me. And again, I'm just working my way through school. Spanish professor, Maria Del Mar, every day at the end of a Spanish culture class, she's like, you need to go to my beautiful country of Spain. And there's history, there's art, there's culture. I'm like, eh, sounds kind of boring. She goes, there's women, there's party, there's dancing. I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> there's so, sangria. So she, she appeals. <laughs> yeah, she had it. She had it all the all the fun. So I go over to Spain. I literally drop everything I'm doing. I go over there, fall in love with the country the people the the coffee, the food, like everything about it. And I come back, I meet my wife right after that, fall in love with Emily. And we end up, you know, settling down here in in the United States. But I said, Hey, I'm going to keep going back to Spain. And every time I'd go back, I'd bring a little bit of the American culture over there and vice versa. So every time I come back from Spain, I bring coffee and I share it with people. And it got to a point in gosh, 2018 where I was bringing so much back, I had to start shipping it back. And then we got a little coffee machine. So we have an office and we're, you know, Hey, somebody comes, you want a coffee? You want a Spanish coffee? And I just tell them about this experience I had in Spain and um, it, it all stopped during COVID. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get the coffee shipped. Um, Everything was shut down. And I said, you know, there's gotta be an easier way than like the, the beans aren't from Spain. They're from Kenya, Guatemala, Mm -hmm wherever you make coffee. So we actually locally sourced beans from Kenya. They get shipped over here from a farm and uh, we bag them here and we created something called Cafe Sevilla. So it's basically a way to show love to others, share coffee with them. So anybody that comes in our building, uh, we always offer them a cup of coffee and it's totally free. And we get to share a little bit of the culture, a little bit of the story and just, just my heart and my passion for for people and for travel. And then if they want, they can leave a tip. Somebody actually three years ago said, you know, I want to pay for this somehow. I said, it's not for sale. I don't want to start a coffee shop, believe me. And he goes, well, I'm just going to throw $20 in this cup. So he throws money in this cup and I go, boom, like light bulb. I said, hey, you know, if anybody (laughs) wants to tip, it goes straight to the scholarship. So we've sent 19 students to Spain through uh, an endowment we started at Colorado State University. And and it all kind of comes down to this is... If somebody puts $100 into the scholarship, it kicks off 5% forever. Mm. So you might think, oh, I give 100 and what's, what's $5 going to do for a student in 2023 that's spending a semester in Spain? Well, a couple things like that student could go have a cup of coffee with somebody that becomes their spouse. Mm. They could have a cup of coffee with somebody that becomes a lifelong friend. Um, it, it could be a, a potential employment opportunity, a business venture, and I've seen that happen. I mean, I look at where I am today sitting here, uh, was really the initial conversation over a cup of coffee about an idea or, or who knows, who knows what. So, um, a little bit goes a long way and that's just been kind of a fun, a fun passion project to grow. And the coffee's amazing. Like, I can't wait till you, till you try it. Yeah. The little boiler takes too. a minute to figure out, you know, but it's, it's really good coffee.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story, Matt. I mean, you have so many gems of wisdom and it it all comes full circle, right? I mean, you're talking about yeah. sharing a cup of coffee with someone and that might be the start of your next entrepreneurial adventure. So yeah. if people want to learn more about you and learn more from you, where can they check you out?
1: Yeah, everything's on my website, com.
0: Perfect. And we will put the link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. Right. Thank you. Hey, Ray here again. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe and rate us in your favorite podcasting platform. Want to be a guest on the show or know someone who has an amazing story of entrepreneurship? Apply on our website at chironconsulting.us forward slash podcast.